and welcome to episode 24 of And Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and economist walk into a podcast and things happen. Hello, Stephen. How you doing? I'm good. I, I think it's interesting. This is episode 24, and mm-hmm. on the day of recording, you are turning an age that is that number reversed. Yeah, the reciprocal, 42. Yeah. yeah happy birthday. Happy. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's it's nice. Um, it, it, uh, I think one of the really nice things about it is um, uh, I'm, I can see all the posts that people wrote on Facebook. Yes. The years, and, and including mine, uh, one of which was uh, from years ago on Facebook. And I said, God, I'm 29. I'm feeling really old. <laughs> Amazing. You know, Amazing. and it's like, no, Stephen, of you know whatever 13 years ago you are not you know i knew why i was feeling old though as well because i had a new baby at the time of course who is now taller than me so (laughs) yeah well yeah and i'm sure a 55 year old steven will be laughing at 42 exactly Uh, Exactly. but i don't i don't i don't feel old i feel fine so (laughs) well it's it's lovely to spend you know a bit of your birthday with you so thank you we I mean, just before we started, you did say you had a bit of a theory on birthdays around their significance, or perhaps some lack of significance. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's if it's um, my theory necessarily. I'm sure I heard this from somewhere, or maybe I did come up with it and then I've forgotten why. Mm. But my my theory is that um is that there are, uh, there are moments in life where you know salience and significance sort of peak, mm-hmm. um and and they're they're uh, there I was, I was i was having a, an argument last night on twitter with somebody about dr shivago hmm. uh the kind of the, the great russian novel and and it, a lot of it's about memory and, and it's about how we think about um um social uh, humanity and social crisis right it's all about the bolshevik revolution but anyway um uh my theory about birthdays is a bit like that in that in a, it's salience and significance kind of they rise and fall with the with the the cycle of one's life um and so i pretty much think you know birthdays you know one two three four five seven and nine ten everyone gets a birthday and it's a really big deal and then mm. like 11 12 maybe 13 you know and then skip forward to 16 and then 18 21 then don't bother your arse till about 30 and then 40, 50, 60, 70. And then after you get over what is your predicted life expectancy, you know, uh, mm. every year after that, you get a birthday, right? <laughs> and it's a big one, right? And it's like 87. You're like, yes, go mad. And yeah. the thing about 87 is you can, you can and we're going to talk about risk in this podcast. So yeah. at 87, you can really lower your coefficient of risk aversion right? Which is how risky are you going to be? Yeah. When you're like 35 or when I was 35, I had small kids, you know, mortgage, whatever. It was like, oh my God, I really, you know, can't possibly afford to take any risk. But at 87, you know, uh, the body will be a bit more fragile, but it's like, maybe, you know, give hard drugs a lash. Do, 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 do that abseiling that you always wanted. It's Whatever. a bit like the character yeah. in um, Little Miss Sunshine, the granda who, um, have I you ever seen Little Miss Sunshine? No, no. Oh, oh, it's treat yourself. It's fantastic. Is it on Netflix? But, uh, mm, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure, but you can probably rent it off YouTube for two quid. Okay. Yeah, fair. Um, or download it, whatever. Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine, but uh, not a spoiler, but they're, it's one of these great movies that's about a family of lots of different characters, yeah. all whose lives have converged on this one event that involves a big road trip. And the granddad... Yeah, no, it's really good. And and the granddad is basically, yeah, he's trying every drug imaginable. Um, And he, (laughs) I mean, what's it he says to his teenage grandson? um, And sure, look, there's no, we can kind of say what we want in this podcast. So he he swears, I'm going to swear. So he says to him, I I just got a bit of advice for you, you know? Fuck a lot of women. Just, just, just fuck a lot of women. <laughs> and, and he gives all this other, like, to be honest, just watch that movie and I'll okay. say no more. Um, okay, yeah. No, I made a note of it there. I'll check it out. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, but it's interesting because yeah. that character is obviously like, uh, he's Why trying not? out everything. He's trying out Why every not? kind of drug and everything. Um, Give it a lash, you know? Yeah, and, and we do, as I said, want to want to talk about Risk today. I, I do, it's funny because... Um, I, my family were real birthday people, you know, okay. and uh, every morning, whoever's birthday it was, would kind of get woken up and everyone would be around the bed and all these bars of chocolate would be individually wrapped. And it became Aww. such a thing because obviously in a family, like you'd get, might get one bar and everyone yeah. else would probably even rob it off you. But sure. this was a day that you'd get like uh, a, a Snickers or a Marathon as it was then, a Mars yes. bar, a, a, a Morrow or whatever, a Kit Kat, and they'd be all yours. <laughs> and and to this day, like I, I know I I love birthday parties, but I know after thirty, I got really meh. Um, but yeah, it's and some people I know never celebrate them, but I think because of that young time when my birthday was a really exciting day, even though now it doesn't really necessarily mean a lot, I always have a bit of a. A warmth in my heart well, on yeah. my birthday, you know, I'm yeah. just like, it's my birthday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and people tend to, I don't know about this, is this true of you? I don't know, do you like August? Like, a lot of people like their birthday month, um, but I don't know, is that true of you? No, no, I, I, I neither like nor dislike August. It's, oh. it's fine. Um, it's, uh, I often feel weird about the month because we're just about to kick off the semester. Of course. So I'm never quite sure if I'm working hard enough. Yes. You know, uh, and if I've taken the time off, then I'm never sure if I'm taking the right time off or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to, to, stay, to stay on topic, as we, mm. as we are so good at doing, uh, we are talking about risk today. Um, and I know what kind of kicked this off as an idea for you, like might be long, long gone in a way, but was uh, quite recently, certainly at the time of recording, um, in obviously August 2020, um, Leo Varadkar put out a tweet that was very tone deaf and very just badly worded about the difficulty it is to be white middle class male, ultimately. Well, it wasn't that tweet. It wasn't well, that tweet, no? That, that tweet was not an ideal tweet either. <laughs> um, to okay. be fair, as tweets go, it was a poor tweet, yes. I would say. Um, it, was very, it was a very calculated tweet. It was basically, you know... Um, you know, rallying the base and all that. That that's that's that that wasn't the one. The the, the oh. one that uh, was interesting to me. Um, to me, to me. By the way, that that tweet is a very ex- good example of targeted, hyper-targeted messaging. Okay. Right. There's a whole bunch of people that are going absolutely bananas on Twitter and say, "This is r- ridiculous. This is terrible. This is awful. Uh, you shouldn't say this." 
and uh, he shouldn't have said it. Uh, but but there's a, a whole lot of other people who are like, yes, indeed, that is me, right? Sure. Um, and they, they happen to be they happen to be a whole bunch of people who are quite likely to vote for Fine Gael. So it's it's yeah. so it's a from depending on how you look at it, it's either a very bad or a very good tweet. Um, sure. But it's just a tweet, and tweets yeah. are neither here nor there. The the most interesting thing that uh, the Tonish just said this week. Uh, or last week was we started talking about the risk of schools reopening. So we're like two weeks away at the time mm-hmm. of recording of primary and secondary schools reopening and yeah. about six weeks away from universities reopening. Yeah. Um, so nobody's really sure how that's going to work. Uh, I was talking to a very good friend of mine who's a principal of a junior school and um, uh, she was in the house today and they're working 15 hour days. She's really stressed out about it and she's not totally sure if it's going to work. Um, it's incredibly difficult uh, because they're having to essentially deal with twin constraints. The first is the physical constraint of the actual building that hasn't changed since the building was locked down. Right. Yeah. Then the second thing they have to deal with is are all the regulations. So um, they're just squaring those two constraints is just very, very difficult. Um, and, uh, and, and then of course she has to deal with the parents who are saying, you know, uh, oh, I, I am the sole carer for my three children. I cannot get sick. You, I have an underlying condition. If I send my children to your school, will they come back and give me COVID? Because if they do, there is literally no one to mind my children. Yeah. Can you assure me that you are redu- that you have minimized the risk to my kids? Um, to which she she like she is you know in local parentis all that she's principal of a local school. Um, it's a very very difficult thing to for for her to. Um, answer back going there is absolutely no risk of your child getting getting this disease and, and giving it to you right so nobody's that worried so, so again at the time of recording we're not totally we're, we're not that worried about small kids so kids mm. who are like 10 or 10 or under getting um getting covid and getting really sick from it that's not the general worry yeah um that might change the, the what we're learning about this disease evolves all the time so we're not worried about that yeah um it's it's the worry that they will pick it up be asymptomatic but actually transmit it to an older person maybe a parent maybe a grandparent maybe a member of the community um and there are instances in uh different countries most notably israel where this has precisely happened so there is, is a genuine worry so um the 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 so there's that so she's being asked can you make the risk of transmission zero in schools yeah. And she's saying, well, no, I can't. And the Tornista was saying last week, I guarantee somewhere in the country there will be an outbreak. Um, we can't get rid of the risk. And people, you know, I think quite unreasonably, so relative to the other tweet where people quite reasonably, you know, yeah. okay. flayed the Tornista alive, I think people were very unreasonable with the Tornista in his tweet saying, or I think it was a recording, a tweet of a recording. that he it, was did, an, uh, it was an interview, I think, yeah. An interview, yeah. Um, and it was, he was saying, look, I, I, you know, this is the risk and we have to live with the risk. And people are saying, why can't you make the risk of this zero? And the truth about it is no one can make the risk zero. So I thought what we might do is talk a little bit about risk and what it is and what it isn't and yep. uh, how it's different from uncertainty and um, how we've historically tried to think about risk. Um, yeah, yeah, and maybe the the fact that there are different types of risk, and 
you know where it comes from and all this. So that, that was like sort of, so sort of coming from that. So it, I, I think the people responding to the, to the tweet, to the, to the, um, to the interview were quite like, they were right to say, you know, why, why is it, why is it you can't make it zero? Mm. But in the sense that they want to keep their kids safe. They want their society to be safe. But I think it's because we as a society tend not to understand risk and we don't communicate it to each other in the same kind of way. And um, I, I suppose, yeah. Well. yeah, of course. And like, love, love any politician or hate them. Nobody can give any guarantees now. And if they are, they're lying. You know, yep. <laughs> if, if, yep. if any politician turns around and says, oh, everything's fine, then that is, as, that is irresponsible. Um, but... Uh, it reminds me, I was doing a, a radio interview uh, about an event, the, the Narrative 4 event that um, a number of, of, of weeks ago. And <laughs> the interview was like, you know, a, a number of minutes long and the radio show ended at two minutes to 12. Mm-hmm. And just at two minutes to 12, I got asked, and will the theatres ever open again? <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's kind of like asking someone you know what is what is the the meaning of life you know it's 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 yeah. this unanswerable question that yeah. even the people opening theaters and you know have no yeah. answer to and yeah. um also uh it was a very short time frame and like i managed to kind of just say something but uh, like if i had said anything <laughs> there I, I couldn't answer that question and similarly as I said, not not a huge fan of Leo, but he, what can he say in that situation other than, well, look, this is what's going to happen because yeah. ugh, humans and stuff. Anyway, yeah. risk. And I, it's, this, I suppose what's quite interesting is, as you said, the idea of how we have um, dealt with it from generation to generation mm. or from, from era to era nearly, going all the way back to, to the Greeks. Yep. This, this book. Um... Yeah. So, so one of the things we're going to talk about is Peter Bernstein's book Against the Gods. Mm-hmm. So, Against the Gods is a is a brilliant book which chronicles ha- it's, it's it's a history of how people have thought about risk. Mm. Bernstein, uh, he I think he died recently. He's a brilliant author. He's written a load of different books about more like the history of finance, the history of the idea of finance, and and. Um, you know, Against the Gods is his sort of magnum opus. It's his major book. And what it is, is it's a way for us to kind of think about how um, the theory of risk and thinking about risk has evolved over yeah. the last, you know, maybe, let's say, 1,000 years. He actually yeah. starts it with the Greeks 2,000 years ago. But yeah. really, you know, really it, it, it happens from, say, 1,200 to 1,700 yeah. um, um, AD. And so uh, the idea, first off, let's just define it. What, what is risk? Well, risk, the risk is the likelihood of something happening. Yes. Okay, so there's a risk that I fall down the stairs after this interview. Um, if, I, if I flip a coin, there's a risk that it goes, it, it, it lands on heads or it lands on tails. Right? Yes. Um, and uh, so, th- that, so there's a big difference between um, the, you know, you roll a dice, you flip a coin, you play 52 cards, draw a card out of the deck, whatever, right? That's how we have historically thought about risk as yes. kind of games, right? Yes, so it's kind of, of games, these kind of uh, dice games and gambling. So a lot of the theory of probability, in fact, 
which is the probability is the likelihood, the risk, you know, one yes. out of six chance of getting a two on a dice, that kind of thing. Yes. That the, the, it comes from the theory of games and because it comes from gamblers trying to make money. Of course. Okay. Yeah. And so, so there's, we often have to th- separate risk from its effect or its outcome. So imagine if it, if you roll a dice, six sided dice and it goes, to, if, if you roll a six, I get a million euros and you lose a million euros. So I'm plus a million, you're minus a million. Okay. Yeah. The risk is one over six for both of us. Yeah. The likelihood of us winning or losing is one over six, yeah. but the impact, the effect, the outcome is I win, you lose. Yeah. Right. So a lot of the time people are worried about risk, but what they really mean is the risk of a thing happening and that the happening is what matters. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like a car crash or a tsunami or a financial crisis or even a pandemic. You, you, you're not necessarily that worried about the probabilities and the numbers and the modeling. You're much more worried about the actual outcome because yeah. there's a five out of six chance neither of us win or lose. You know? Yes, of course. And in yeah. that case, the outcome is like, eh, whatever, keep going. Yeah. Right? Um, Russian roulette, the deer hunter. Yes. You know, you spin the spin the thing, whatever, click the click the click the trigger. Yeah. You're you're dealing with risk, but it's the impact that matters. Yeah, the impact of the the, the yeah, fallout, so, yeah. So very important to separate these two things out. You know, win, lose, you know, live, die, pandemic, no pandemic, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um so we start in in sort of what we'll what we'll like roughly call um uh the sort of the intellectual renaissance uh post um intellectual relation renaissance post uh after you know maybe the end of the medieval period yes um, and it, it, it begins with with gambling um but then it it moves rather quickly like pre- really quickly into thinking about how to use risk and how to minimize risk and how to maximize risk sometimes yeah. right um, so, it, so for example, when you're designing weapons, okay, you want to maximize the risk that it kills the other fella. Yeah. Yeah. So you design weapons that are massively spread out, as spread out as possible. Mm-hmm. You don't want it focused because you want the impact to be on as many people as possible. Yeah. So you want to push risk onto other people. Or sometimes you're designing a financial product and what you want to do is minimize risk. You want to make it as small as possible. So you want to manipulate the likelihood of something happening. Yeah. Now, forever, forever, people have been trying to move these things around, come up with systems, try to beat the casino, try to be cleverer than the other person, try to, you know, uh, try to go on a holiday in the middle of a pandemic in, in to, a, to a place which is currently on, not on the green list mm-hmm. in order that, to get a cheap holiday and then hopefully the call it, the, the country will come off the, the red list onto the green list mm. while you're on holidays and then you won't need to return uh, and quarantine upon your return. This is a totally hypothetical uh, example. Is this what you're doing this week? Yeah. Yeah, totally. We're off to Portugal. No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's a, the kind of thinking that, that some people have engaged in mm. um, uh, recently in my hearing. And it's been interesting, you know, that, but that's all risk, you know, yes. And so it's like, so what, what, what the Tawnishi was saying was the likelihood of an outbreak is very close to one. Mm. 
That is, what we're effectively doing is there are thousands of schools, thousands of places where young people will gather. Mm-hmm. We're rolling thousands of dice independently, right? We're just rolling a load of dice. Some of them are going to come up six, right? That's yeah. what he's saying. And people are going bananas about it. But mm-hmm. there's, there's simply no way to offset that risk. Yeah. Right? Um, the, 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 the only way is to, the only real way, I think, yeah. the only way I, I, I think is to um, think carefully about what kinds of risks you're comfortable with. And people find this very, very uncomfortable as a conversation. Mm. Because what it means to say is, how do you think about the future? How, uh, how brave are you? How risky are you? How reckless are you? You know, there's, there's a, like if you take a certain kind of risk, you're a maverick. If you take another kind of risk, you're a lunatic. Right. You know? Yes. Um, and diff- and, and in, in differing conditions, you can be both. Right? So, so the, the, the idea of risk, like what are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Are you are you personally comfortable with walking around without a mask? Well, a lot of people clearly are. Yeah. Right? I remember from a previous podcast, we talked about the theory of revealed preference. You reveal your preferences through your behavior. Yes, of course. Lots of people reveal their preference by not wearing a mask. They're not, mm. they're not saying, I don't care if you live or die. Yeah. Right? They're not saying that. What they're saying is, I'm comfortable with the risk of you dying. Yes. Because I think it's quite low. Like, like, like if if they walked around with a gun, you know, that, that that, that was like, you know, pointing at people's faces, they were like, Oh my God, this is terrible. I would certainly say home. Right. Um, But then that's not what they're saying. They're saying there's a very low risk of it happening. Doesn't really, doesn't really apply to me. I'm probably not going to get sick anyway. I'll be, I'll be okay. I'm willing to, I'm willing to have that risk. And you're might be, you might be somebody with, I don't know, let's say COPD or some other kind of underlying condition. And you're saying, no, 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 I'm not, I'm totally not willing to, to have the, 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 this happen. But again, it's all about you. It's what you are willing to bear. And of course you are making a decision for your kids because they're yeah. not really in a situation where they can describe their preferences. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because in, at least in the, from the, let's say the 12th century to the 19th century, it's all been about trying to, get around the idea that the probability of an impact is is something that you must bear, right? And in the 20th century, a load of different uh, uh, theories came along and said, actually, you don't have to bear this risk. You can chop it up and move it around. Yeah. Um, Particularly through uh, uh, um, financial markets, you know? They could say, well, you know, there is a risk that you get hit by a car. So we're going to write you a, an insurance contract, which says you pay us a little bit of money every month. And then if you get hit by a car, we'll give you, we'll give you, you know, the, 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 the cost of your injuries plus, plus a settlement, Yeah. you know, uh, and, and there'll be enough people. So we're rolling enough dice. Each individual person is a dice rolling mm-hmm. every day. Did Stephen get hit by a car yesterday? No. Did Stephen get hit by a car yesterday or today? No. What about tomorrow? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. but there's only a few people in every day that get hit by cars. Yeah. So you've a, you've a pool of insurance premium coming in. You've only got a couple of people getting hit by cars. You 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 charge a margin. You make lots of money. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really hope you you don't get hit by a car. Me too. I, me too. Just right? I, mean, say I, that. I hope it all works out for me. But but <laughs> but you know, at some point, um, sure. At some point, I, I, every day I wake up, I I, I roll a dice. Hmm. Yep. Uh, roll a series of dice, actually, and and every day we it, 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 every day it comes up, and it's not one, or it's not six. You know, it's something yes. in between. And that's okay. It's fine. We're all implicitly doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all doing this, uh, and. The truth about it is the probabilities of these things happening are vanishingly small. Yes. And if we lived with the risk of all the things happening to us in our minds all the time, we'd never do anything. Well, so absolutely. And is it, isn't it often said like on a risk level, driving your car is infinitely more dangerous than say taking an airplane like yes. as in just on probability of, of accidents and stuff. Yes, yes, you will have a lot more people with a phobia about yes. flying as yep. opposed to getting in a car. And that's just, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Superman reminds us, right? Every single Superman movie yes. reminds us. Oh, flying is so, super safe. But, uh, <laughs> the, 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 and that's true, right? But people don't think about this on a probabilistic basis. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's far, it, people, we don't reason probabilistically. Yeah. And it's one of the really difficult things in a pandemic, saying, look, we need everyone to reduce the risk of this happening. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. It is going to happen. Maybe not to you, but it's certainly going to happen. You can't r- reduce the risk to zero. Yeah. Um, it's not have possible. You had, have, have you had any scares? Uh, scares in terms of Of COVID. COVID. Like, have you had someone contact you and say, look, I'm after testing positive or anyone that's... Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, um, and they've said, look, I, I, I've, you know, we're just to let you know, self-isolating and all that kind of stuff. So I would have had people working for me. Um, yeah. And I would it, have had uh, colleagues and stuff. So, yeah. What's interesting about that, because I'm just staying with you, but like I find I've had, um, unfortunately, like some family members getting tested at the moment. My little nephew has a cough. And uh, obviously my sister just said, look, like there was meant to be a birthday party yesterday and everything got cancelled. And sure. um, I really hope they're okay. <laughs> but... Yep. Um, and it's happened to me before as well and it's that moment of where you're kind of i suppose to get through life as you said you can't be thinking about these things all the time or you'll never leave your house and so you kind of need to be getting on with your life but when those moments happen or those phone calls those texts suddenly it's like okay i'm gonna wash my hands all the time or i'm gonna i'm gonna be so careful like the the panic kicks in again and and like even i am being careful but you suddenly feel uh, so I suppose vulnerable again or, or, or mm. say if you saw someone not wearing a mask one day you go okay whatever and then a day after a phone call like that you're like why is that person not wearing a mask yeah. and it's, yeah, yeah. it's always a lot of the stuff's quite emotional as well yeah and there's a, there's a recency bias to it so if it's if it's really new you're going to be incredibly like sensitized to it so you're going to be really uh, aware of it in our yeah. local post office well, I, I was talking with our, our, our postmistress, fantastic lady and mm. um uh, she was saying that, you know, when this all started and it was like in everyone's faces and there was a lockdown, you know, you basically, you couldn't turn on the telly, you couldn't turn on the radio, you would just get blasted in the face with constant bombardment of, of messages and about, you know, hand washing, etc. Um, she was saying that when people walked into her, her post office, which is quite a small space, they would like disinfect themselves up to the elbow disinfect the little pen thing that you've to sign for, you know, the package and, you know, disinfect a little, the little uh, pad that you pay for the postage and all that kind of stuff. Right. And she said, what's really interesting is she said the first couple of weeks we went through bottles and 
bottles of the hand sanitizer. And now we don't. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. So people have kind of like their level of awareness, compliance, whatever. Probably they were probably hyper vigilant and hyper compliant at the start. I mean, you probably don't need to wash down to your elbows with hand sanitizer. It's probably a bit much, but mm. you know, um, people were probably overdoing it at the start. Yeah. And now maybe they're not doing it enough. You know, of course. And then there, there's that whole thing about living with something. It becomes normal. It becomes what is done. And mm. then because it becomes what is done, maybe you start going, well, it'll be all right. You know, and, and uh, there's a thing going around. Uh, Twitter at the moment, which is, you know, uh, COVID doesn't care that you're sick of it. You know? Yeah. 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 Doesn't yeah. care if you're done with it, you know, you, you, you know, doesn't, if you're tired about it, it's that COVID doesn't care. It's not, yeah. you know, that's a good point. if you're bored with COVID, it, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it doesn't care. It, it's going to keep going. Um, yeah. the, 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 the really kind of interesting thing from my perspective is that, we are all now really aware of the risks of certain things, mm. you know, um, at least at the moment, it might go away. John yeah. Gray, the philosopher says, nothing has ever learned for long. He disputes the uh, theory of human progress, that humanity is able to progress in any, na- in any major sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got great books like False Dawn and Straw Dogs. And I've, I've read most of his books actually, and they're, they're all of a theme that progress is possible in science it's possible because we have repeatable experiments that we can test and we can get better at that's why we think we might be able to find a vaccine because the antibodies don't really change we can just kind of keep going keep testing certain chemicals and eventually we'll get a lock Mm -hmm. on the chemicals that work and we'll find a vaccine or at least some kind of you know uh uh, um some kind of cure or at least or at least something that ameliorates the thing's symptoms yeah but that's because the underlying nature of reality doesn't change that much humans change all the time yes. and actually they're, they're not really able to sustain a change. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, the Gray's theory. I'm not certain I super agree with it because I have seen people make really uh, significant changes in, to, in themselves, not just their lives, but themselves. I have seen people change. And so I wonder to what extent Gray's theory is true, but if it is true, there is no such thing as human progress. Yeah. So you, 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 yeah. you can't, improve upon yourself you know and therefore you're always stuck with the list of things that you are in a certain sense sensitized to or or inherently biased with it's a it's a real worry you know um if you if you if you thought if you genuinely thought no progress was possible for humanity then that would mean that things like Auschwitz could happen again tomorrow, right? Mm. And it would mean things like um, feminism. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you want, one would like to believe that things like the society tends towards an equalization mm-hmm. bet- of rights and responsibilities between different categories mm-hmm. of member of society. You'd like to believe that, that over time, certainly since the early, late 19th, early 20th centuries, Mm-hmm. You know, you would think that certain different categories of people would end up, roughly speaking, you know, plus or minus five percent, same as everyone else. Yeah. Um, and that struggle for civil rights and, and, and recognition and so forth has happened. And yeah. you'd like to believe that that 
movement is is kind of ratcheting in yes. nature that you yeah. know you get one thing and it ratchets up to the next thing and it ratchets up to the next thing it ratchets up to the next thing yeah um and and, and that for me is a kind of institutional progress it's, it's human progress through institutions which is which i think mm. is maybe what we can aspire to but it's really interesting if you believe john gray's theory yeah that's not possible that can all go away in a second well i do feel um like I, I do think things are very uh, even i think i said last week about you were all nine meals away from being a caveman you know like how yeah. the baser instincts are strong um yeah. I, I think kind of uh societal memory is an interesting thing mm. um i studied philosophy many years ago and often the ideas that are prevalent now are what was being championed maybe 50 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It takes that long yeah. for them to trickle down and get it into does. the everyday. Um, and, and, and also the memory of your grandparents is probably as far back as, as you'll mm. ever connect to re- realistically mm. on a human level. Like I mean, you can learn history and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, progress in, in um, what do you call it? Yeah. Society and, and, and equality and, better better living for for people despite race color creed and gender and 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 sexuality you know these are things that you hope you know but but i think it's one of these things that when you hear of some historical society or often it's talked about in um uh, native americans that you know they have this uh um two-spirit kind of um identity of this understanding ultimately of transgender you know and that was celebrated and and okay like ooh, way back then or <laughs> in this other society there are these really progressive ideas that sometimes somehow haven't you know are very long in getting into say mainstream western society okay. whatever you want to call it and yeah and that there has been real in some in some lesser I like I'm, this is me as usual. This is something my mate told me, as opposed to the book I can quote, like you can. Um, but this kind of thing that uh, where where it was understood, you know, kind of sexuality was understood to be um, a lot a lot broader than than heteronormativity. And sometimes I think we can be fooled into thinking we are as far as we've come, and yeah. Um, yeah. no one has ever been this far, which is true in many levels. Or, but then there's this idea that everything before us was backward and, 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 um, yeah. and the importance of learning from, from, uh, from the experience uh, is, is really important too. And not that we are the ultimate progressive beings. And no. even the Auschwitz thing, I mean, like there is some pretty horrific stuff still going on today. It's just happening yeah. to people maybe uh, who we can Not a million be- miles away from us either. Yeah, yeah, we can't, like, I, I do often feel the way our generation, uh, you know, you and I are both 42, the movies we watched. Well, no, you're, you're only 41. Oh, yeah, thanks. Where are you going? I know. Talk about Let's face it, whoever's listening to this, whenever they might get around to it, chances are I'll be 42. Fair. Fair. <laughs> but even what we grew up with, a lot of focus, my memory was, you know, movies in the, say, 80s, 90s, and even if you go back a bit, well, it's a lot about Nazi Germany. It's a lot about uh, mm. what was done to the Jews and never again and this far no further. And also a lot of Hollywood is, um, there's a strong Jewish population in Hollywood who moved there and like Metro Goldwyn Mayer, 
you know, a big um, mm. uh, kind of uh, Jewish company, as in, I suppose, the people in power. And, and that's the story they want to tell as well, which is really important because it's yep. like never again. Hmm. But I, you know, I wonder in, in 50 years time or so, what movies are going to be made about this era? And is it going to be about, say, the subjugation of, of, um, of Arabs or, you know, who are the people that right now we are kind of not seeing who are being tar- oh, sorry, yeah. targeted? It's or- a really interesting way of thinking about it. Um, who are we not seeing? That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. I've never thought about it like that. How would you, so... Okay, so that's an interesting idea because yeah. there's a risk there. Yep. And the risk is that you you only look at the things that are brightest and in front of you most mm. and worst, perhaps. Maybe the, the darkest and the brightest. You don't see the stuff in between. and, and uh, Or maybe, maybe it's that you were never made aware of it in the first place. And so it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, an, a you don't even know that you don't know it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and so th- there w- it leads us nicely on to a discussion about uncertainty. Yeah. So yeah. there's a difference between risk and uncertainty. Risk mm. is, 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 is what happens when there are repeated events of the same thing. So every day you wake up, you live, you repeat. Right. Sure. Um, and you kind of have the same experience every other day. Uh, and or or with a dice, you roll the dice, you roll the dice, you roll the dice, and you can mm. produce a distribution which is basically adding up. It's just counting. Yes. How many times was there a two? How many times was there a three? And you just add them up, and you can create um, a, a, a list, or a, you just you just stack them up one on top of the other. When you mm-hmm. stack one, you, you get a histogram, you know, uh, which is a frequency count, and then yeah. you can when you assume that the the bins or the or the bars for the histogram are really small, you can produce a distribution which is just a curve over the histogram. Okay. And that, that idea of either a theoretical distribution function or an empirical distribution function, mm-hmm. it, it, it gives you, you know, the tails of the distribution and all that. It's also that idea that is um, entirely behind the marking debacle that's currently happening in, 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 um, oh, yes. in, the, uh, in the UK and in Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, yes. And, and may happen in, in Ireland, we don't know. Yeah. So the idea is, is really simple. Um, th- let's say there, there, there's a distribution. So you imagine, imagine the, the, the distribution like, um, uh, like a child wearing a uh, sheet. Okay. Like, it's a, like a child wants to be a ghost. Okay. Right? So it's got that, it's, got, it's kind of pointy in the middle and it kind of flattens out on the edges. Sure. And w- at any point when you touch the the then you when you touch the the sheet that the child's wearing you'll find there are certain numbers of people underneath it right so right. it's like uh five people six people ten thousand people whatever yeah the, the the further you get away from the top of the child's head the less likely you are to find people okay okay so likelihood is concentrated in the center you're much more likely if you if you just grab at the sheet you're much more likely to grab a bit of a child Oh, I you get know, you. Grab yes, it by the head or the shoulder or something. And then yeah. on the edges, very unlikely. Very unlikely, yeah. Right? Yeah. So the probability, the mass of the probability is in the middle and mm. it's very, very low at the edges. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so wh- what's happening is we've got these, these distributions of grades um, from previous years, which we know all about. 
um, mm-hmm. so if you, so, so Stephen goes to school A and goes to school B, we understand the distribution. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so the school A's grades are being added up. They're being estimated by the teachers in school A and mm-hmm. similarly for school B. And if you imagine that the teachers in school A are just l- giving everyone the highest possible marks and yeah. school B is being completely fair with everybody, yeah. well, then you should be able to adjust backwards the marks that the, these teachers give them based on the previous uh, 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 previous statistical distribution of the grades that have existed yeah. in the past. The problem with that is that you're much, much, much more likely to individually harm uh, an exceptional child in a school where there's previously very little example of exceptional behavior. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You will have students that on an estimated um, um, process are getting like 600 points or something. Yeah. And then because the distribution forces them backwards, their school's aggregate performance forces an individual grade set backwards. Yeah. Right. You have lots and lots of people very upset. And the yeah. risk of that backward thing happening mm. in the UK turns out to be entirely correlated with the risk of you going to a state school versus a private school. Yeah. Private schools don't have this problem because they've gotten the better grades in the past. Yep. So they're much more likely to not have that correction. And the ones in the future, uh, uh, the ones in, sorry, the, 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 the ones, the one, the, 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 the sort of state schools don't have this. And there's a negative correction. The, the people that you're hearing about on Twitter and everywhere else that are really upset about this are the people who got A's and got adjusted backwards. Yep. There are also people who got B's and got adjusted upwards. Mm. You are not hearing from them. Yeah. Right. So there's an asymmetry in the coverage here, which is really interesting mm-hmm. um, because of course the adjustment will happen in both directions. Cause of course some students will have grades that are lower yeah, and they're just they've been underestimated be, relative to the, where they should be in the school's average, yeah. and they're just going to be pushed forward. Right? Let, let's be let's be honest now, Stephen. It's far more likely a very privileged kid is going to get bumped up, and a, a very average privileged kid will get bumped up, and an exceptional underprivileged kid will get lesser grades. That, that is certainly the fear. That is certainly yeah. here. Um, and the problem with a lot of it is that you're only going to know that for sure. Mm. Retrospectively, you're only going to know that later on. Mm. Uh, but at that point, that student, the, the point is now that the student is, is, is entered into college or not. Mm. Um, now the, 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 I reckon that a lot of this might be a lot, very noisy. You might be talking about a couple of hundred cases in tens of thousands of of uh grades so i think a lot of people actually get the grade that they should have got and it'll be okay you know um i think where it's probably the most unfair is where a school has been kind of increasing its average year on year on year so it's the Mm -hmm. distribution like the ghost in the in the thing has been just creeping forward very very slightly you know going from an average of a d to a to a low c to a middle c to a high c right yeah, but 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 again, what they're going to do is they're going to take the average of a number of years. They won't take just the last year, and so yeah. that progress will be not reflected in the in the in the in the um, the averaging that's done. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, and so there again, you're talking about the interaction of probability distributions, which is all again about risk. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, we don't really have a, we're not really having a, a reasonable debate. Like, like what I just explained to you there yeah. doesn't seem to be filtering out into the, into the, into the, um, the, the, the national discussion on these things. Sure. Um, because I think I, I, one of the things I, I wonder, I often wonder, does it not suit lots of people to talk about risk? Mm-hmm. What I mean by this is you could have a situation where you're bearing a risk, but it suits everyone that you're not aware that you're bearing the risk. Take um, Uber. Uber. So Uber is an interesting company where they essentially take the risk of a company yeah. um, um, managing labor law and car insurance and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they take that risk and they say, we, 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 could, we could deal with this as the company, but we're actually going to put it onto the driver. Yeah. Right. You see it in precarious working situations all the time, you know, or people who don't have pensions. Yeah. So what they do is they take the, like, like there is a, there is a, there is no risk that we're all going to get old right? Yeah. Or older, at least. There was some, some of us will die in the meantime. But uh, what's the line? No one here gets out alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that line from? Oh, it, oh. Yeah, I forget. Anyway, the... the it's not the, Terminator, is it? Or, or, or <laughs> aliens? Or... I won't be back. I'll be dead. Yeah, that, that whole thing of, of like, you know, it's a, there is that. But it, it's really interesting. It, it, yeah. is, it, it is a really interesting thing. Um, uh, risk of you know uh, 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 APR and all that um, financial literacy. Mm. You know, if you're not aware of that stuff, you bear a lot more risk than you think. The, I, I live um, a very risky life, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it just means that somebody sells you something and you're not aware of it. Oh no, abs- absolutely, no. absolutely, and I think it's it's true of a lot of people in different areas. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, a lot because yeah. exactly. Actually, it's interesting you talk about like school and, and academia and that. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure we, we've, we've touched on this or even the whole leaving cert thing and, and just all this, this, this um, value being given to an academic um, result when yeah. someone's skill, you know, most people I know, you know what I mean? Some people are incredibly skilled, but maybe they can't get academic um, yep. They won't excel academically, but it doesn't mean they won't set up their own business and blow everyone out of the water or be an incredible tradesperson or just are being incredible yeah. in some other area. Yeah. And yeah, academic yeah. academia is so specific. Yeah, um, is. And, and it's what we, it's the only thing we reward. Mm. Like, there, it's a really interesting point. There's, yeah. a, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, <laughs> in a certain sense, what an academic degree gives you, it mm. says this person has a lot of upside risk. The risk of this person doing well for you is quite high. Yeah. The downside risk, the risk of things going badly for you, is quite low because they're they're clearly the kind of person who sit there, shut up, and listen, and you know they they have enough. There's enough going on for them. Maybe it's privilege, maybe it's hard work, whatever. Mm. A lot of it's encoded in the degree. The signal that's being sent by the degree is like this person. It's not. They're not a winner. They haven't won anything. They just showed that they can go through something like this. Yeah. And there's a lot of value in that signal. But all it is is a signal. And remember mm. that, that, go back to the very start of this, the difference is the risk versus the impact. A lot of people, a lot of people mistake the two. So the impact is starting the business, writing the play, making the book, you know, mm. like, like, like actually doing something. 
Yeah. And uh, it's, it's very interesting. It came up in a review of a, an undergraduate program. I'm trying to remember which one. I can't remember right now. But anyway, the, the, the difference was uh, in the past, it used to be like a, an apprenticeship type model where yeah. somebody just did stuff and learned by doing. And yes. then they moved it to a degree process where it was like, well, you just learned by learning. And then you had to sort of land somewhere with all your book knowledge and actually do stuff. Yeah. And it was very, it wasn't ideal. And the previous cohort of people that had gone through the apprenticeship process were like, yeah, they know more, but only in a book level, on a book sense. Their, their risk of them doing a better job is higher, mm-hmm. right? The risk of them being better professionals is higher. But yeah. they don't actually know how to do anything really. So now we have to retrain them. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it was an interesting, I forget what the degree was, but it was really interesting feedback. Um, mm. And it, it sort of, it, it's that risk of risk versus impact or outcome that uh, it does matter. And then the, 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 and if there's one thing, maybe there's one thing, maybe we would, we would profit by as a society if we thought a little bit about long-term risks better Mm. so uh pensions for example yes uh auto enrollment of pensions is something i i i really believe in mm-hmm. you know, i think we should all be paying into our pensions uh the only reason i started a pension was because it, it started for me with work yes of course you know? um i i was 27 or, or something and i i just started paying a pension and that's mm. fine you know it's mm-hmm. uh, they they I, if they if that hadn't been the case if i had been forced to go and research it on my own and all this sort of stuff like i'm an economist maybe i would have but also like maybe i wouldn't yeah. there's lots of stuff i just haven't done just because i couldn't be bothered yeah um, of course you like and that people are like that right so there's there's a good there's a good uh set of uh institutional criteria we could have for managing risk yeah. as a society both by the way upside and downside so you want to manage maximize the risk of things going well yeah right so things like bike lanes maximize the risk of you taking a bike and yeah. cycling the bike you know um the 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 idea of okay look we want to make sure that the most organs are available for the people who need them uh or uh and this is, the problem with this is it can get paternalistic really quickly right yeah right it, that's, there's a big risk with it, with all this. It can get so, yeah. It can be it can be very risky. Um, kind of nanny it, state stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, 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 it's nanny state or very much like we know what's best now. <laughs> but actually, like, if it was the case of everyone has to have a pension, guys, and we're gonna we're gonna construct it so that we'll make sure that you will you don't experience enormous poverty when you're older. Mm-hmm. Right, um, uh, pension poverty is a massive societal issue, and it's very quiet. Um, but it's mostly it's, it's most experienced by women, who typically don't have higher incomes and therefore don't save for pensions, and also live longer anyway. So there's a sort of you, you know the 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 one good thing, you know, <laughs> my my mom always says the one good thing about being a woman is you don't die as easily, you know. But but <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but then you're stuck uh, at a lower level of income. Yeah. So pension poverty is a massive issue. Um, and it's something that is very difficult to, to sort of, you know, bring, up, bring out because it's, it, it, it's just there. But, but, the, but, but, but it's, it's, one, it's one competing policy concern among many. 
If you look at homeless people right now and you're talking about, well, maybe you should start saving for 40 years from now. It's very hard to keep those two things it's also simultaneously. Like in, in a society, I, I know, um, you know, people who've worked in the community sector or are in, are in the prison service. And when you grow up in an environment where you don't expect to live as long, which yep. is quite quite common, certainly when you're younger uh, in certain um, in certain pockets of society. And mm-hmm. so, why would you be thinking you're, you're, you can't see past twenty? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, why are you going to be looking at eighty? Why are you going to be? Yeah. And certainly, yeah. at a time, they say even as uh, as adults, as 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 sorry, they say often empathy takes a longer time to develop, and like you kind of have to get out of your teenage years for that to fully develop, and then a full concept of long term consequences doesn't really kick in till late twenties, and um, so it's very hard. Like it's funny, I, I, I even this weekend I was talking to some friends, like somehow awfully like taxes came up in conversation, and. Um, Taxes. I, was, I don't, don't, I don't know how this happened. It was terrible, but uh, we we ended up talking about some stuff. And um, anyway, I, I said, you know, I could really have done with learning in school how to budget for a week, yeah. how to manage yeah. a household, how to yeah. how to cook some basic nutritional meals, how to sort out my taxes and and these are kind of i suppose what is often jokingly called adulting um and i think it's expected from the education system that you learn that stuff from your parents but Mm -hmm. depending on your upbringing you know managing money and things like that you're not gonna have access to that and and things that make us better uh, members of society are if we can take care of ourselves and like you have a thing called home economics which should be mandatory and developed to really um make good adults <laughs> who can mind themselves or who are ready for you know who know how to just navigate the world well, when they get out we just call it life skills right life skills so not adulting just life skills life so skills you know, yeah you make a budget you could change a tire uh, you know some basic first aid mm. um uh, you're aware of, you know, maybe maybe people teach you how to, you know, I don't know, use knives and forks or something in a restaurant. I, I have no idea, right? But mm. just like a whole list of things. This is how you apply for a mortgage. Exactly. Uh, this is what a pension is. This is what an APR is. You know, this is basic financial literacy. Um, this is how to, I don't know, fish. I have no, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but but, I, mean, but I, I would imagine a whole list of life skills that I certainly didn't come out of school knowing but, but stuff that if you think you're leaving school at 18 roughly an adult who should technically be ready to leave home if needs be if they're going to college or if they're going to work somewhere else mm. that they have these things under their belt you know and yeah. like as i think the big joke i think blind boy often makes it like how, how can i know what an oxbow lake is but i i didn't know how to change a tire till i was whatever age you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. i don't know about pensions but i know um, what soil creep is now i think it's good to know your geography but on the grand scheme of things mm. um your bank manager isn't going to ask you what an oxbow lake is do, do you know and yeah. uh, <laughs> i think something yeah. something in be in between or that but um actually just one one little note to, to end on about risk which i think is is interesting with the 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 book you were talking about uh, you said it starts with the greeks where there was mm-hmm. a big focus on the gods even and isn't there, is it Julius Caesar, he says, the fault lies, dear Brutus, not in ourselves, but in our stars. And our this stars. idea that we're at 
we're at the mercy of the gods or, or the gods decide stuff. Mm. And you do have people now in America saying, I won't wear a mask because Jesus will protect me and I, I won't make me sick. And that risk of... Um, wow. Have you not come Where's, across that? No. Okay. Okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Well, you know, these okay. people who are refusing to wear masks because it's... A, against their human rights and you know people who've never had to fight for human rights are looking for something to fight for and they they're saying seriously oh yeah i will send you the videos yeah yeah there's a hearing in florida all these people saying but it's interesting to me because that harks back to that ancient thinking of you know we are but humans toiling in the world but it doesn't matter because God God will decide, God will decide whether I live or die. So uh, I don't need to wear a mask because it's in in God's hands. Have you, you haven't come across that. So I I know, I know the basic phenomenon you're talking about, but I'm not aware that that's, yeah. Yeah, I'm not aware that that was the, that was the reason for not wearing the mask. I always thought it was like an anti-freedom thing. But it's all, it's all tied up. It's all not yeah, not fair. not necessarily, yeah. but it's usually tied up because a lot of the people in those movements, and they're not all, but a lot of them are say fundamentalist. Uh, oh, okay. Fundamental links to Christianity, not not uh, it's not this isn't a comment on, on religion as such. It's a comment on fundamentalism and blind uh, yeah. wielding of faith and and also using God for your own purposes you know what i mean like it, it's a combination of the two and you see trump uses god whenever it suits him um sure but sure. i was like i just thought that was a weird um manifestation of risk being thrown aside and put into the hands of the gods maria do you know what i mean wow <laughs> so just when we think we've moved on Stephen, this brings us back to our point we never learn anything <laughs> I think it's learned for long. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Uh, so listen, uh, until until next week, uh, have a good one and enjoy your holidays and happy birthday. <laughs> Will do. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Kean Reinhardt, theme tune composed and performed by David Blake. Follow Stephen Kinsler on Twitter at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne Blake at Anne Blake78. She is an Anne with no E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. If you have any questions, you can get to any of these Twitter accounts or follow the hashtag AnneSteveTalk. Talk.